Hi, welcome back to our study of Song of Songs. It's, today we're looking at chapter 6, Personal Growth. Before, before we begin, I want to look at the timeline. At the end of chapter 3, we saw the triumphal entry and the crucifixion. Then, in chapter 4, we had words of encouragement from Christ to keep following after Him. In verse 6, we have the ascension. Verse 7 to 16, now Jesus recognizes their marriage. So between verse 6, verse 7, you've got the day of Pentecost when Peter gives the keys of the kingdom. But now she's been baptized and now he calls her his bride. Jesus lists her spiritual blessings by comparing her to a garden and, and names nine different uh, flowers in the garden. And those represent the nine uh, spiritual fruits of the Holy Spirit. And then he also... Uh, talks about the gifts of the Holy Spirit, and then we're a garden protected and a wellspring of water. So we've got a steady supply of the Word of God. Those, of our, those are our blessings now that we are a Christian. Chapter 5, we, we get into the first error that she struggles with, and that is saved to be served. She's back in bed, and she doesn't want to get up. He knocks to get her to come on out. When she goes out, she gets beat up. She starts suffering for Christ. Realizes we're saved to serve, not saved to be served. And it's kind of interesting right here. We didn't talk about it much before, but that is her suffering for Christ, I believe, is the thing that caused the question from the, the daughters of Jerusalem. Why? Who is this that you love so much that you're going to endure this kind of suffering? And then she describes whom her heart loves beautifully at the end of chapter 5. Then, so today we're picking it up in chapter 6, and the chorus is still with her, or the daughters of Jerusalem are still with her. Where has your beloved gone, O most beautiful among women? Where has your beloved turned that we may seek him with you? Now they're trying to get into a relationship themselves. She responds by saying he's gone down to his garden, to the beds of balsam, or the beds of spices, to pasture his flock in the gardens and gather lilies. Now, you've got down to his garden to pasture in the gardens. So I believe the, the garden means church universal, church worldwide, possibly kingdom in the world. And then the gardens, church individual wherever you're worshiping in your city, whatever church you're worshiping at. So he, he kind of covers both of those. To pasture means to feed in the gardens. In Matthew 18, 20, where two or three have gathered together in my name, there I am in their midst. In my name, you start a prayer, you start a Bible study with a prayer, calling on Christ to be there with us, to bless us in our studies. Uh, that's where we need to be. In, in 23, verse 8, do not be called rabbi. One's your teacher, and you are all brothers. It's Jesus feeding us. He is the teacher. That's what he's saying. No one person is the teacher here in this world. We're all students, and we learn from each other. And as long as we understand that, we see the importance of everybody in the congreg congregation contributing. And if you don't have answers... I believe questions are the most important part of any study because you got to be able to find the question and then dig out the answer. To pasture in the gardens, gather the lilies. In John 14, 3, he says, If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. 
uh, gathering the lilies. I think that's those Christians that have died and taking them to heaven. That's what John, Jesus is promising us here in 14.3. And the go to prepare a place. He's not going to go prepare a mansion as some of the songs will sing to encourage us to, to have our own spot up in heaven. No, no. To prepare a place means he's going to go to the cross and die, shed his blood. So once his blood is shed, now our sins are fully forgiven and now we can enter into the throne room of God and I will come to take you there to be with me. I am my beloved's, my beloved's is mine. He who pastures his flock among the lilies. Let's hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering for he who promises faithful. Consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds, not forsaking our own assembling together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Not forsaking our own assembling together. That's the important thing because it's, it's in the gardens is where he pastures his flock, among the lilies, among the brethren. You, it, it's not something you do at home. It's something we do on the collective. And it's so important for us to continue to assemble together. And I think this is what he's going to work on her about doing. He's going to encourage her not to forsake our assembling together. There is so much more to learn. So he's going to give her now a vision of how he sees her. Then he's going to encourage her to get back to her studies, which he had talked about in an earlier chapter. And then finally, he gives a vision of how the world sees her. Because it seems she's not with the, uh, the, the brethren in the, in the gardens when they ask her the question, where is he? She's saying he's over there, you know. And so he's encouraging her, do not forsake. There's so much we've got to learn. So... How Christ sees her, here he comes and says, you are as beautiful as Terzah, my love. Terzah is a true city with rectangular houses border, bordering on straight streets from the International uh, Standard Bible Encyclopedia. Interesting, straight streets. In Matthew 3.3, John is told, make ready the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. In Hebrews 12.13, and make straight paths for your feet. And I think that's why Ter Terzah looks is so beautiful because it's all nice straight streets. As lovely as Jerusalem. Jerusalem is a city set on a hill. You are a light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. As lovely as Jerusalem. As awesome as an army with banners. Going back to chapter 2 verse 4 in this book. His banner over me is love. In Matthew, Jesus says, love your enemies. And then in Romans, Paul says, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. What kind of army is this that feeds their enemies, loves their enemies? Their banner is love. Awesome means generate, generates reverence, fear, and wonder. And I think a lot of reverence and wonder is being generated here. And that's how she needs to see herself. Turn your eyes away from me because they've confused me. And I think a better translation is your eyes have overwhelmed me because you're so intense on studying with me. Kind of like Luke 10, 42, Jesus talking to Martha and he says, only one thing is necessary and Mary has chosen the good part which shall not be taken away from her. 
Martha's so focused on the physical, but the thing is the spiritual. And Mary was, was right there with the spirit, listening to every word that Jesus had to say. And I think it's that attitude that confuses, right? That overwhelms Christ because people are so into the things which he is, is teaching. So that's how he sees us. And now he's saying, you need to stay with your studies. Get back to them. These are the studies that made you a Christian. So let's get back to them. Your hair. Yeah, I like it because it's that flock of goats that have descended from Gilead. You know, your thoughts and intentions are at peace with God. All things are lawful, but not all things are profitable. All things are lawful, but not all things that are let no one seek his own good, but that of his neighbor. So you've learned to let certain things go and, and to focus on other things, thoughts and intentions. That's good. Your teeth absolutely are like that flock of ooze which came out of their washing, all of which bear twins. Everyone who partakes only of milk is not accustomed to the word of righteousness because he's an infant, but solid food for the mature who because of their practice have had their senses trained to discern good and evil. You were feeding on the word of God. That what, that's what brought you into the body of Christ. Do not quit. You've got to continue to chew on God's word and, and digest it very well. It's so important. You don't just quit. Okay, your temples are like a slice of pomegranate behind your veil. There's that word, well-chewed, can be well-digested and then exposes sin in our lives, creating that thing called what? Shame. Behind your veil, Christ knows if we're feeling shame or if we're not feeling shame. Shame is a good thing because it'll drive you to get rid of the sin instead of allow it to continue to persist. These are good things that he's talking about, so stay with those. Stay with those emotions. And now how the world sees her, because now he's really trying to encourage her and show her how important she really is. 60 queens, 80 concubines, maidens without number. My dove, my perfect one, is absolutely unique. He was saying we are like the mare among the chariots of Pharaoh, chapter 1, verse 8. And like a lily among the thorns, so is my love. So he's showing us how unique we are. Christianity was born out of Judaism, which is absolutely amazing. What religion comes from another religion? I kind of compared it to the phoenix. The phoenix comes out from the fire of the ash, and that's kind of what Christianity does. As Judaism is fading away and is destroyed with the 70 AD, no longer to exist because there's only one people of God, and that's what we need to understand. That's Christianity. You know, my dove, my perfect one is what? It's, you are unique. She is her mother's only. She is the pure child of the one who bore her. In Revelation chapter 12, verse 1 and 2 here, a great sign appeared in heaven. A woman clothed with the sun, the moon, stars under her feet, and on her head a crown of 12 stars. And she was with child. She cried out being in labor and in pain to give birth. This woman, well, this represents God's people. Whether it's, is, I mean, you can call it Israel if you want, but it's, it's God's people. And it's through Israel in which Jesus comes into the world. And that was the purpose of Israel. But then look at verse 5 and 6. She gave birth to a son, the Christ, a male child who is the rule all the nations with a rod of iron. And her child was caught up to God to his throne. There's the death, burial, resurrection. There's the ascension. That's the work of Christ in one simple verse. Then the woman fled into the wilderness where she 
had a place prepared by God so that there she would be nourished for 1260 days. The woman prior to the resurrection is Israel, the Jews. But then afterwards, the woman is led into the wilderness. Now she's the Christians. But you're, if you see it as she's God's people before and she's God's people after, just because they're Jews here and they're Christians here, right? And that's how you need to see it. She is her mother's only. She is the pure child. She is, Christianity is God's people. There is only one's God, one people of God in this world. There is not two, but there is only the one. The maidens saw her and called her blessed. The queens and the concubines also, and they praised her. Blessed are the pure in heart, they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who have been persecuted for the sake of righteousness, theirs is the kingdom of heaven. That's how the maidens and the queens and the concubines see her. And look at this, what she says about Christians. Who is this that grows like the dawn, as beautiful as a full moon, as pure as the sun, as awesome as an army with banners? One of my favorite times is when I'm out camping and I get into my canoe and first thing in the morning, if you can get out there before the sun comes up, which is a rarity for me, but if I can be out there and the, and the, the mist is still coming off the lake and the sun hasn't come up yet, right? And there's a full moon out there. The full moon is that which reflects the sun and it reflects the light of the sun to this world of darkness. That's the beauty of the full moon. And she grows like the dawn because when you're out on the water, now as the sun's starting to come up, you know, you, the, all the birds in, in the forest are singing like crazy and you can just see the sky starting to light up and nothing but nothing is going to stop this dawn as the sun starts to rise and, and everything just comes alive, right? That's your, your Christian walk, your Christian life should be that. It's kind of like the mustard seed that grows, out, grows to be the biggest of all the plants. Yeah, you're growing like the dawn, pure as the sun, awesome as an army with banners. There's that army, an army that preaches what? Preaches love, not war and hate. It preaches love. That's how they see you, and they're just amazed at who you are as Christians. Back to that timeline. Here in chapter 6, the very beginning, she, she's questioned, where is he? And her answer is, in his gardens. And the question I kind of ask is, why isn't she there with him? You know, why aren't you continuing your studies? And then Jesus comes along and encourages her, keep up your studies. And how does he encourage her? By giving her a vision of how he sees her, how beautiful she is. An encouragement to keep on studying as he encouraged her before. And then a vision of how the world sees her. We're talking about personal growth. And it's so important to have personal growth. And we'll see that in our next section. Thank you for watching.